The following presentation has been prepared by the Video Tax News team for Canadian tax and financial professionals. Program recorded March 24th, 2022. Enjoy! Welcome to the April edition of Life in the Tax Lane. Joe, Hugh, living the dream, hey? <laughs> Spring, flowers, all that fun stuff. Well, we can't see them because we're inside doing tax returns, but they, I'm sure they look nice. By this time, you? you should be able to do tax returns in your sleep, and it's likely that will be necessary. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get started for today. A number of good items. We start off with the recovery of serve over payment. So this is the thing. At the beginning of the pandemic, the government was saying, listen, we got this thing called serve and we got to get these $2,000 checks out as quickly as possible. So a bunch of advanced payments were, were made to people just as soon as they applied 2000 bucks out right away. Um, the, the problem is um, the government later on, as people stayed on serve, they reduced serve amounts to sort of reconcile that original $2,000 amount but some people got off of CERB before the government had the ability to reconcile it so what the government's doing now is they're saying listen we got to get this two thousand dollars back and uh, so they're setting up payment arrangements and I was wondering how big a deal is this 1.7 million people estimated to be affected by this having to pay back that you know up to two thousand dollars so pretty big deal watch out for it I'm sure we're going to see a lot of letters this personal tax season Caitlin, you? If you're in a tough situation, like Joe mentioned, CRE did say they're going to be accommodating on set in respect of setting up payment arrangements. Well, CRA or Service Canada, depending on which version you applied yeah. under. And, uh, you know, to put that 1.7 million in context, the government says a little over 8 million people in total received CERB benefits. So that's what, somewhere between a quarter and a fifth mm. of all recipients that came off CERB before this could be reconciled. That sounds like a really big number to me. Uh, you know, also effect, affecting the pandemic, once we got back to work, it was not business as usual. And uh, certainly the dentists saw that because it's really hard to do dental hygiene from two meters away. And, uh, <laughs> well, He's a hockey stick. <laughs> I don't want to drill him from that distance. I it works at McDonald's with the little cash machines. Use a hockey stick. Good thing you're in tax, Joe. Just oh, to keep no. a drill on. Sorry, continue. Well, I don't even want to know. Uh, so CRA was asked, well, I got my dental bill here, and I know that my dental work is covered. It wasn't cosmetic, but I got a whole bunch of other bills for infection protocols. What do I do with that? And CRA, I think, had the right answer. They said, well, you couldn't have got the dental services without paying for the COVID protocols. It's all really one big service. So, of course, we're going to include that in your eligible medical expense, always provided the dental work qualified in the first place. But unless it was purely cosmetic, it likely did. Mm -hmm. Pretty nice and reasonable interpretation there. You know, one of the other things we're shifting to and had to deal with in the pandemic is a shift in our business to more uh, digital uh, programs, communicating with our clients electronically. And we were happy to see just this last month, a whole bunch of money, $4 billion, were allocated to a couple new initiatives where applications are now open to help support our businesses with their digital transformation. We're going to include the links, the sources for these uh, programs in your notes. But we're looking at one of these programs providing uh, micro grants of about 2400 bucks to help cover the cost of developing your website, social media advertising, search engine optimization. And this is available for for-profit businesses and enterprises. 
we also see a separate initiative. It's actually even more generous. It's called the Boost Your Business Technology Initiative, which will actually provide grants of up to 90% of these costs related to developing a digital adoption plan. And that is capped at a $15,000 support there. This is also available for for business uh, or for-profit entities. A few other kind of um, bells and whistles on that program. We're seeing uh, the ability to get some interest-free loans uh, through that program through the Business Development Bank of Canada. A few more advisory services are possible through that program. But definite help support out there for you to help kind of shift your business, shift your enterprises online. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention, if you are a digital advisor um, and, and you can help these businesses with these services, there is the opportunity for you to register with the government to provide your services, of course, on a pay-for basis through these initiatives. Uh, so heads up there. Okay, All right, now amazing. They're going to pay up to 90% of the cost to that $15,000 maximum. So even if you're putting in 10 grand, wouldn't it be nice to get nine grand back? Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, but the other thing that I wanted to mention, just in respect of money coming and going, uh, was uh, we know that there's a, there, there are many people in Canada who have relatives outside of Canada, and maybe the relatives are sending money into Canada. Well, we know that any transaction that is $10,000 or more that comes into Canada electronically is reported to not just FinTrack, but also to CRA. And we know that CRA is tracking this and following up on this because they're thinking as this money comes in here, maybe we've got income earned from abroad and you're supposed to be paying tax on that. And, and that happens quite often. We see quite a bit of follow-up there. So we had actually a recent court case where an individual was a couple, um, you know, who had come from China and they had family in China who were sending them money. And we're talking about in a couple of years, about $200,000 in, in, in some other years, mm -hmm. closer to $600,000. So a, a fair chunk of cash. And uh, they were basically told, it was by Revenue Quebec, listen, you got to demonstrate what the source of this is here, because if you can't, that's going to be a full taxable inclusion. So they went back to the, to the, send, to the, to the senders of it, because their argument was that these were either loans or gifts and they said do you have bank records do you have documentations and you know what things have been sent so far into in the past that no they no longer had documentation they actually even went to china to try to get some of this from the banks but they couldn't get it so they didn't have this but you know what the court did accept they did accept a video conference call in the court basically with these parties in china here coming on saying listen i loaned this amount of money this is what it was for I gifted mm -hmm. this amount. This is what it was for. And there was a bit of a discussion there. And the court accepted it saying, okay, I believe you in this case. So we know this is a bigger issue and we see it happen quite often. Take a look at this case here for more details on it because you're probably going to see some activity in that area. You know, Joe, the other takeaway I have is if you are getting big chunks of money, particularly from abroad, maybe you want to document it at that time yes. that it is a gift, that it's a loan. So you don't have to dig back into the past because it's incredible, like you mentioned, how many of these court cases we see come up where we just have to hope that we uh, the judge perceives us as a credible witness. Yeah, key part of well, that is printing the, up the, the people who sent it are willing to testify yeah. Yeah. and still available to testify. Yeah. Well, I think a key part of that, too, is they, they like to see the bank statements of where the cash left from. So if you can have that, if they're willing to give you access to that private information, that is something you should probably have on file to, to show CRA. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Well, one of those issues that we thought was a much bigger deal for the non-resident than the resident was the underused housing tax proposals. And those are still sitting in front of Parliament waiting to get passed. But uh, I don't know about anybody else. I initially thought of that as, oh, no big issue. I deal with Canadians. This is a tax on non-resident, non-citizens. Yeah, that's who the tax is on. But when they say resident, they mean resident under the Immigration Act. I could have been a Canadian tax resident for a long time without ever getting formal admission immigration status as a landed permanent immigrant. So I may have clients who are technically subject to this, and I don't even realize they're not resident for this purpose. Added to that, well, it's great that you don't have to pay the tax, but you got to file a form to explain mm -hmm. why you're exempt. And the exceptions from the tax are an awful lot broader than the exceptions from that filing. For example, there's no exception for private corporations. So if my corporation owns a rental property, I got to file an annual disclosure every year starting mm -hmm. 2023 by April 30th to say, I'm not actually subject to that tax and here is why. Yeah. And the penalties proposed for not filing that, 5,000 bucks for an individual, 10,000 bucks for a corporation, and that's the starting point. They only go up from there Plus, you could lose your exception. So while there won't be a lot of people who have to pay it, there's going to be a lot of people who have to file the form. Uh, Kate, I like your acronym for the underused housing tax. Because <laughs> that's what it's going to sound like when you explain these filing obligations. Yes. You know, one last pop before we close off today. Individual goes to CRA. Hey, I want the tax information from my former spouse. Just don't ask any questions. You think CRA is going to give it to you? No. They said no. We go to court. The court said CRA. Uh, you don't have to do that without the former spouse's consent. This is an important reminder that, you know, we really got to think about if we can provide information. And I'm thinking about married couples. Can you provide information to, you know, your taxpayers in respect of their spouse. The court here says, no, just because you married them, just because you got the ring, doesn't give you access to their tax information. That's all we have for today. The Video Tax News team has been providing Canadian accounting professionals with practical tax information for over 40 years. Subscribe to one of our tax newsletters or join us as we present live and pre-recorded seminars relating to both personal and corporate tax. For more information, go to videotax.com. The preceding information is for general information purposes only and deals with dynamic, time-sensitive, and complex matters that may not apply to particular facts or circumstances. Information provided should not be relied upon as a substitute for specialized professional advice in connection with any particular matter. For more information, go to videotax.com slash disclaimer. Copyright Video Tax News, Inc. 2022. All rights reserved.